Well, good afternoon, 12.30. How you doing this afternoon? Woo! Nope, nope, Redo, no. we need redo. a redo. Let's start that over again. Yeah. Well, good afternoon, 12.30. How you doing this afternoon? Yeah! I like much it. better. That's much, much better. better. It's good to be with you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors. This is my wife, Jeannie, the other lead pastor of this church. And uh, gosh, we are in a really exciting season as a church. As Patrick mentioned just a moment ago, this is the last time that we're going to be gathering in this room for our Sunday worship gatherings. Like pretty, the real, real last like time. Like really, really, this service is the really, real last time we're going to be doing that. And uh, it's an incredible season for us as we open our doors as wide as possible uh, for as many people as possible to hear about and experience the transforming love of Jesus. We've been praying for and planning and preparing for this season for years now, honestly, and a couple months ago, as we were thinking about this time and where we'd be at a church and where God was leading us, uh, he led us to a passage in the Bible that's become kind of our, our mantra, our call for the next couple weeks that we want to center our church around. And you don't need to turn there. I just want to read it to you and have you sit with the power of this picture that God paints for this church and specifically for your life. It's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 says this, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I love that imagery where we have this idea that we are surrounded by people of faith that have come before you, people of faith all over the world that you will never know, and then people of faith literally sitting right next to you right now in this moment. Your life is actually surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, he says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles Throw off anything that keeps you distracted or defeated or from living the life that God actually created you to live. Throw it all off and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I love that imagery that it's not about, you know, let's just kind of walk and file, you know, let's just sort of saunter. Sometimes religion and church can feel that way. All right, obligation, guess I have to. The picture here is that we run with passion and perseverance in faith because of what God has done for us. In fact, verse two is where we get the whole idea for this teaching series. It says this, fixing our eyes, mm. fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter. That means the one who initiated and began, the reason we can build our life of faith is because of him. And he's the perfecter, the finisher, the completer of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So that's mm. why we're calling these next couple of weeks fix your eyes, because that phrase actually has double meaning, doesn't it? The first thing that you have to pay attention to is you gotta fix your eyes, that it's, your eyes are broken. My eyes are broken. We often only see what we want to see. Mm -hmm. We often only see our circumstance. We have broken mm -hmm. vision so often, and we need to ask God, hey, fix my eyes so I can see what you see. Mm. And then the other meaning of that phrase is that you fix, you focus, you attach your attention on Jesus. You mm. fix and focus your eyes on him, and when you do, everything else gets a new perspective. Yeah. Everything in your life gets a brand new perspective, your past, your present, and your future. So that's what we wanna do for the next couple of weeks. We wanna fix our eyes on Jesus and look back, look at where we're at now, and look ahead together 
in faith. And often we have the tendency to fix our eyes when we come up upon a special date. Maybe it's an anniversary, maybe it's a birthday, but you know, when you come up upon a special date, you kind of have this tendency to want to look back as to where you've been so that you can look forward to where you're headed. You know, if you're celebrating a birthday, you kind of look back on that year and you go, man, look at all the things that happened in my life or in this person's life, or you're celebrating an anniversary, maybe in a marriage or an anniversary of where you worked someplace for a certain amount of time. You kind of go, gosh, look at all that has happened in this last year. And that's what we want to do this next three weeks as we look forward. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And, you know, like we were just saying, it's easy to do around a birthday. It's easy to do around an anniversary. Just this last week, our son Elijah turned 12, which is hard for me to believe that next year I am going to have a teenager that lives in my house. I have a lot of feelings about that. And he's convinced that this is the year that he's going to pass me up, that those six inches, that he's going to, you know, he's going to be taller than me, so I'm going to start wearing stilettos every single day, uh, so that doesn't happen. But it was so fun this last week. We went and we looked at all the pictures of Elijah as a little guy, you know, and, and watched him growing up, and it was so fun to kind of, you know, reminisce and look back on all of the ways that he's grown and all the ways that he's changed. And, and we want to do that as a church, as we look towards our seven-year anniversary. We want to look at all that God has done, because there's something that happens when you look back, you're able to see God's faithfulness so that you can look forward with his eyes of faithfulness. And that's what we want to do. But oftentimes it's hard to do that. It's easy to do, you know, with a birthday or an anniversary, but sometimes it's hard to know, like, how are we spiritually growing? It's easy to, you know, to see like the marks on the wall, you know, when a child grows and you can see, you know, this last year they gained this many inches and this much happened in their life. But how do you actually look inside yourself? How do you look inside a community even and say, how have we grown? I think all of us ask that question in some ways. We want to know, how do you know when you grow? Like, how do you know when you can point to the transformational work of God in your life? And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to look at how it is that we have grown as people, how we have grown as a church as we fix our eyes on the faithfulness of Jesus. One of the greatest uh, ways for you, one of the best ways for you to know if you've grown, like Jeannie just said, uh, is really, honestly, it's the art of looking back, the art of remembering, which is really hard for us to do in our culture. We don't like to look back. We just like to move forward, mm-hmm. look forward. In fact, you'll even see that, you know, on Facebook posts, like, don't look back. You're not going that way anymore. It makes for a great meme and a great bumper <laughs> sticker. But really, it's actually, there's a real spiritual principle and practice of remembering, mm-hmm. of looking back at God's faithfulness. When you see all that God has done, you get the glimpse, you get a sense that he's not done with you yet. When you get how far God has brought you, you get that he didn't bring you this far to only bring you mm-hmm. this far. Yeah. That's why looking back and remembering is so important. If you've been around here a while, you've heard us say that you can kind of sum up kind of whole story of the Bible with this simple idea. God is faithful, we're forgetful. God is faithful and we're forgetful. And so that's why remembering, spiritual remembering is so 
important. And there was a tradition in the Old Testament where they would do this, a ways, lots of different ways that they would mark moments and have little monuments to God's faithfulness so that they wouldn't forget. And I want us to look at one of those actually uh, today. So grab a Bible if you would open to Joshua chapter three. If you brought a Bible with you, awesome. You got it on your phone, fantastic. If not, there should be a gray Bible right in front of you. You can turn to Joshua three in the Old Testament, page 148. Grab a pen if you would too. I wanna give you some context as to where we're coming at in this passage in Joshua chapter three. Let me give you some context. Uh, The Israelites, the people of God were actually people on the move. God had been leading them into a new season, a new chapter, a new land for them, but they had come to an impossible place. They had come to the banks of the Jordan River and they could not get across. And you have to understand, this isn't like 10 people, 50 people. This is hundreds of thousands of people that had come to a river where there was no bridge, no easy way to pass. And they've been on this journey with God and now they get to this impossible place and they're wondering, is God going to lead us through? Will we actually see God's faithfulness move once again? And so uh, Joshua led by God has this idea and is kind of prompted by God to gather the people and let them know that God was not done with them yet. And so in Joshua 3, 5, he kind of has this brave heart moment where he kind of gathers everyone together and he's walking there in front of them. And this is what he says. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. In other words, prepare yourselves, make yourselves right with God, settle up with God, he says. For tomorrow, look at his faith, he's able to say this with confidence. For tomorrow, the Lord will do what? The Lord will do what? Amazing. Amazing things. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Now that is a statement of faith. Hmm. He's basically saying, get ready. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hmm. You're not gonna believe what God's gonna do in your midst. And so when the next day came, there they were. They gathered there at the banks of the Jordan River, there at the edge of this impossible impasse. And you can imagine if you're Joshua, the leader, going, all right, God, this would be a good time to do an impossible thing. All the people are here. You asked me to get them riled up. They're ready to roll. Anytime, God, you want to do this. (laughs) And so as they begin to take a step into the Jordan River, what God does is he actually stops the flow of the Jordan River with his righteous hand. He holds back the waters, which is actually really important because the text lets us know at this moment that river was actually in flood stage. So it was even bigger and faster moving than they were used to. And God just stops it and holds it back so that they can walk right across on dry land. Now, anyone who's familiar a little bit with the people of God, the story of the Old Testament, does any of that sound familiar to you? Mm. And it should have to them too. God had already parted the sea for them to walk on through and escape the Egyptians. And so that's what God does. And they begin to walk across on dry land. And Joshua, prompted by God, has a moment to say, we need to remember this because we already forgot that God did this for us before. Mm. We need to remember this. And so he commands the people to gather up some stones from the middle of the dry riverbed to make a monument to God's faithfulness. Let's jump ahead to Joshua chapter four, just a page over, Joshua chapter four, verse eight. So it says, the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. Now again, these aren't like skipping stones that you could put in your pocket. These are big stones. Boulders. They want them to grab, like you gotta like get a friend to lift this kind of stone. So they gathered 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the Israelites. As the Lord told Joshua, they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Now you just have to think, this is a real moment. They don't necessarily know what Joshua is doing, why he would ask them to do this. I mean, it's already a big enough deal that the water stopped, they could cross, but now he says, before you finish going across, grab these 12 big boulders. Imagine if you were coming through Chicago 
and we got to the Chicago River and there were no bridges, no little tolls, no little thing that you had to pay to get across. And we could not get across this river. And by God's hand and by a miracle, God just parts the Chicago River and we're able to walk across, walk on through the river. Wouldn't that be an amazing moment? And if we as your pastors would say, this is an incredible moment, we want you to grab something from the bottom of the Chicago River. <laughs> what do you think you might find? Someone's like, a uh, hubcap, I found a body. So like that's, they found stones, thankfully. For this story, that's how it worked in this one. And so they grabbed the stones and they brought them over and they laid them down. Verse nine, Joshua set up, that means with intention, he created a monument. He set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who'd carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and I love this sentence. If you want a reminder of God's faithfulness, mm. look at this. And they are there to this day. Mm. In fact, later on in the book of, of Joshua chapter four, he says, one day your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And you'll be able to tell them, our God was faithful and stopped the water so mm. that we could pass. He built a monument to God's faithfulness. It's a spiritual act of remembering. Don't forget what God had done. He had the foresight to remember how often we forget. And so he set up this little monument to God's faithfulness. And you actually do this in your life, whether you realize it or not. You may not have done it spiritually, but you actually already do this. When we moved into our house where we're living right now, we had to do a lot of renovation. It was, it was a mess. We had to do a lot of work. And one of the things, we had to pour a new foundation down in the basement and so while the cement was still wet, we had our kids go down and write their names, and we wrote the date in the cement. Have you ever done that before? Maybe on a sidewalk or on stairs? Raise your hand if you've ever written in wet cement. It's kind of a cool moment to mark, like one day people will come across these initials and wonder who they are, because you know, no one's going to remember that you did that, right? But we did that with our kids, because we thought it was a powerful moment to remember. Like, this is an important moment. Mark it down. Write it down. Let's let this stand for a long time that God is faithful to us. Some of you actually have tattoos on your body that have a name of someone or a date that's significant to you, a way of remembering so that every time you see them, you don't forget. We figured when we moved into the house, our kids were probably too young for tattoos. That's why we did the wet cement thing, but, but maybe that's what you've done. You've got a, a way of marking, of remembering something so that you don't forget. In fact, my hunch is around your house, if we were to all go over to your house after church today, I bet you there's some pictures up in your house that help you remember things that matter most to you. Hmm. Pictures of people that matter most to you. Maybe some pictures of people that aren't around anymore. People who've passed on. Maybe there's a picture of the first house you ever lived in or a significant moment from your life, your baptism. These are important moments and we already intuitively know that we're gonna forget one day. And so that's why the spiritual act of remembering is so important because when you look back at God's faithfulness, here's what's so amazing. When you look back at God's faithfulness, you can actually look forward in faith. Mm -hmm. When you look back at God's faithfulness and what he's done in your life up to this moment, you can actually look forward in faith, saying, I can see all that God's done, and I know he's not done with me yet. And so the question is, are you willing to fix your eyes on God's faithfulness mm. in your life? Rather than fixing your eyes on all the things that aren't right, mm. aren't the way you would like them to be, all the things in your story that didn't go the way that you would have written, are you willing? What, what would it look like for you to look back and say, you know what? Despite it all, God was faithful. Mm -hmm. God has been faithful to me. He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't left me. He's still with me. Wasn't how I would have chosen it, but I know that God is working together all things together mm. for good 
for those who love him? What would happen if you really looked back and fixed your eyes on God's faithfulness? In fact, that really may be some of the reason why you're even here today, because you feel like you've come up against an impossible place and you don't know how you're gonna get through. You don't know how you're gonna make it through this season. I wonder what might change in your perspective if you were to take the time today and this week to look back Hmm. at how God has led you, how he's brought you, even here to this moment right now, even to the people that surround you. Do you know that they're actually a sign of God's faithfulness Hmm. to you and that he's not done with you yet? Everything changes when you fix your eyes on God's faithfulness. And as we've been looking at the story of this church and looking back over the last seven years, that's honestly, I mean, there's highs and lows and fun seasons, hard seasons, but all we see again and again and again is God's faithfulness to us and to this church. Yeah, it's been fun, you know, to, to reminisce as we think about where we're headed. And this last week, I, I feel like I'm a parent kind of looking back on the last seven years of the life of this church. And in some ways, uh, those of you that are parents in this room, you, you'll understand what I'm about to say. I feel like I can't remember my life before kids. <laughs> and I feel like I can't remember my life before Soul City. Uh, because in some ways, I feel like Soul City is our third kid. We had Elijah. We had Gigi, and we had all of you. We had all of you. Uh, and and, and so in family. many ways, uh, th- this was our third child that, that we birthed out into the world. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm contemplating and, and remembering and, and holding in my heart all that God has done over the last seven years, and it's overwhelming to think about. It's overwhelming to, to see his hand and to see his faithfulness all the way back to the beginning. And I think about back when Soul City was just a dream, when it was just an idea, when it was just a, a prompting that God had laid on our hearts. And, you know, I, I, I feel like the will of God is one of those things that oftentimes you can look at the will of God and there's lots of beautiful options. There's lots of ways in which you can move forward. But for us, starting Soul City was not an option. This was a holy obedience. This was not one of those things that was like, sure, you could do this in your lifetime. Why don't you go and start a church? It wasn't one of those things. It wasn't an option. This was God saying, this is holy obedience for you to follow me. And so as we began to listen to God and as we began to set our lives in a true north direction to being in obedience to him, we began to pray and we began to dream and we began to, you know, put our lives in the direction of following him. And many of you have heard this story. We were living in Atlanta at the time. We were part of a a great church down there and uh, we had two small kids, obviously, and Uh, you know, we just said, okay, I sense that God is asking us to do this, that this is a step for us, a step of faith. And so we just started gathering people in our home. We were living in Atlanta at the time, and we just started having people over for dinner on Sunday nights, and we would pray, and we would dream, and we would worship, and uh, we would think about this church that didn't even exist. And we thought about you, and we thought about, you know, the city that God had laid on our hearts to, to love and to care for. And, and we began to set our lives in the direction of following him. And eventually we would move up here in the spring of 2010. And we just kind of stayed in the same momentous path that we were in. We started having people over to our house on Sunday evenings. And uh, we would have dinner and we would pray and we would worship. And, you know, we would, we would dream about 
this community that God had laid on our hearts. And sooner or later, we knew that, you know, you know, the 20 people that were in our living room were going to eventually need to move out of our living room, that we were going to need to actually have a place where we could gather as a church. And a dear friend of ours who helped us start the church at the time, Dave Van Dixhorn, he was a real estate agent. And we called him up and said, hey, you know, could you help us find a space, a place that we could lease so that we could start to meet together as a church? And we said, you know, our hearts are being drawn to the West Loop of Chicago. The West Loop was very different than what the West Loop is now, uh, seven, eight years ago. And so Dave said, yeah, I've got this friend and his family owns a warehouse. And, you know, it spans all the way from Aberdeen to Racine. It's on Adams Street in the West Loop. And let me call him and see what they're doing with this warehouse space. And many of you remember this was when the economy had bottomed out, the housing market was uh, in shambles. And so he called up his friend John and said, you know, let's go meet at this warehouse and we can kind of tour our way through it. And so we came over here and we met Dave and John and, and we walked through the warehouse and it was a former Ruby Chevrolet car dealership. That's what this whole space this was the showroom. used to be. This was the showroom uh, for all the Chevrolets. And uh, we walked the entire city block. It was, you know, just a bunch of warehouse bays that, you know, spanned all the way up to Aberdeen. And we walked it, you know, and Dave and John were like, oh my gosh, this is like a decrepit old warehouse, you know, and they were kind of looking at, you know, all of its non-potential. And Jarrett and I walked through it like we were in Nordstrom for church planters, right? I mean, we were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can't believe what if God would give us this space. And we kind of walked through and our eyes were open and we were dreaming. And I remember Dave and John, you know, they left after we walked through the, the whole city block and, and Jarrett and I got down on our knees on the corner of Aberdeen and Adams. Nobody was around and we just got down on our knees and opened our hands and said, God, if you would give us the space if you would turn this warehouse into a house of worship. And we began to turn in uh, letters of intent. Um, we began to ask for a lease here, and um, we had no money. No, we literally had money. no money as a church. And it didn't we were matter what number we wrote on the lease. We didn't have it. Yeah, we, it was, we couldn't we have paid whatever it. lease it was. No, any but, number. you know, we kept saying, you know, is there any way that we could start a lease? Is there any way that we could go into, you know, some kind of lease with, with John and his family that owned the, the whole city block? And, you know, they were awesome, and they were praying for us, and an amazing family, but they were like, yeah, I don't think you can afford any of this, you know? And so they, they turned down our lease multiple times. And I'll never forget the end of June, uh, June 2010, John called me up and said, hey, can you grab coffee tomorrow? Um, I'd love to talk with you about something. And I said, okay, sure, totally. And, and we planned to meet, it was July 1st, and uh, we planned to meet at a Starbucks that was in Jewel Osco on Chicago Avenue. And so we met. R.I.P. Uh, Jewel Oscar. Yes. And so we met at this uh, Starbucks and um, we sat down, and John began to share with me that him and his family had been praying since we first had met. And they had been praying, and God had been stirring in their hearts. And he said, We want to let you know that God has moved in our hearts in such a way that we want to offer Soul City Church. Uh, the, the warehouse space on the corner, the 22,000 square feet of warehouse space for your church, rent-free for two years. Mm. Yeah, amazing. 
And I remember sitting at that table, um, and John reached his hand across the table, and I reached my hand, and he put the key to this building in my hand for the very first time. And I remember as he placed the key in my hand, I remember having that internal moment where I started saying to myself, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And then just a gush of tears started running down my face because I knew, I knew that I was experiencing one of our first Jordan River moments. Yeah. I knew that I was, I was literally inside of a miracle in, in a Starbucks and Jewel Osco on Chicago Avenue. I was inside a miracle, a movement of God. And it spun a story, and you are now all here in this space, that we can go all the way back to that moment. And so we finally moved out of our living room, and we came over here, and we started working on this building. We started uh, putting it together. We started taking down walls and building walls. We started painting, and we started doing electric. We didn't have a permit for that, but we did it anyways. And, uh, and this is John's dad, actually, um, who was in his 80s, and he helped build this church with us. And we got to work and we started building the church. The, the people that were a part of this church began to build their church and they began to create a space for all of you. And, and I look back on that and I see stones of remembrance. I see God's faithfulness to his church. Yeah. So we were finally able to launch on November 7th, 2010. We were opened our doors to everyone that day. That was our launch day. We were so uh, excited. This room was a lot smaller then. We've actually pushed every wall that we could push out of the space. We gathered here at five o'clock. We used to meet Sunday nights at five o'clock. And people have asked us, you know, both in the past and in leadership conferences and stuff, like, what was the intentional leadership choice behind meeting at five o'clock on Sundays? We're like, well, that's when we had been meeting in our house, and we figured... Not a lot of competition, I guess, in the church market space. I don't know. We, did, we didn't really have a strategic thought. We just thought, well, we'll just keep meeting in the evening. So we met at five o'clock, and I remember walking down the stairs that first night, and I thought, God, if anyone is here other than Jeannie and our kids, I, I, I will be amazed. I will be amazed. I'll be amazed. And at our very first gathering, we opened our doors for the very first time that night. 259 people came to our first church service. We'd grown by 10 times, you know, what we were in our living room. We were very, very excited, way, way excited. And we couldn't believe it. And, and so it was kind of had a big launch. And then we had to sort of grow from, from there, from that very first gathering. So our average attendance in 2010 was 147 people. So that's where, we, that's where our church started, about 147 people. And I love this. The average Soul City kids attendance each weekend, 13 kids. And our kids were 17% of the children's ministry at that time. We were holding down a solid portion of the family ministries here at our church. And I remember that first night, the first Soul City kids huddling up together, our kids being there, and we gathered together as a family afterwards. In fact, this picture uh, was taken right after the first gathering. Our kids were so little, and I'm uh, so much thinner back then. And so it was a... <laughs> A wonderful, wonderful time of remembrance right now. Uh, and we, I just remember us being so exhilarated and so exhausted. And I remember when we, our heads hit the pillow that night, we were thanking God for all that he'd done. And then this thought struck me and hit me. So we have to do this again next week. Like people are gonna expect us to keep doing this. We'd worked so hard to get to that Sunday. We realized, oh man, we've gotta keep 
going. Thankfully, there were amazing folks, amazing families who'd come alongside this vision and made it theirs, folks who'd prayed and who'd given and served and believed that this was an only God story. And here's kind of how you know when you grow, when you see God's faithfulness in your life. When I go back and look at a 2010, around 150 people coming to this church, and then I fast forward to Easter 2017, and our church welcomed over 2,700 guests for Easter this last Easter. That is amazing to consider all that God has done. And for us, it's, a, it's, a, it's so unbelievable because it's not about numbers and charts and graphs. This is the story of God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And every number is a person whose lives have intersected with what God is doing here. And so as we look back on all that, all we see is God's faithfulness. I wanna be really clear. None of this is because of us. Mm-hmm or any of our amazing staff, or any of our amazing volunteers. This is not some master plan we cooked up in our kitchen in Atlanta. This is not some just add water and watch church grow kind of <laughs> strategy that we picked up at some conference. This is only God. Yeah. This is the faithfulness of God. This is why we can move forward in faith, because we've seen God move so faithfully over these last seven years. You know, over the last seven years, We've had, uh, for first-time guests who visit our church, we've had over 7,500 first-time guests come to our church, people who are coming back to church for the first time in a long time, coming to church for the first time ever in their life, showing up here, hoping to have an encounter with God. It's amazing to consider that over the last seven years. That over the last seven years, we've seen 5,000 people join a small group. Mm. How is that even possible to see that many people join up and say, we believe that life change and transformation happens better in a circle than it does in a row like this. I've seen men's groups, women's groups. I've had the privilege of leading a men's group the last six years and been a part of what God's doing as we gather together in groups. Over the last seven years, we've seen 3,000, over 3,500 people serve in some capacity mm-hmm. in our church. That's amazing mm-hmm. because they're all volunteers. They're all ordinary, everyday people with full lives and full schedules just like you, and yet they've said, God has given me talents and gifts and abilities and passions, and I wanna use them for something bigger than me, and so they got in the game, and they served here, around here, in this space, in this building, and well beyond. Mm. As we partner with Brown and Debt Elementary School that we love and care about in our neighborhood, partner with Breakthrough Urban Ministry, as I think about even the fact that right now we have a team finishing up relief work right now in Houston, as another team is just beginning work in our partnership in El Salvador right now today, that God has just moved in people like you to say, I wanna be a part of what he is doing. And then I love this. We could go on and on and on, but I love this. Over the last seven years, uh, we here at Soul City Church have baptized 412 people. That is amazing to us. (laughs) Glimpses of what life change looks like, what transformation actually looks like in public. Mm -hmm. And as I look at this space and look out and think about all that God's done in this space, which is a a rundown warehouse before we ever Mm -hmm. even moved in here. I am blown away from our kids' camp, which happens here every summer. In fact, you may be here as a parent because your kids came to camp, and they loved it so much they dragged you here to church. We were texting with one of Gigi's friends last night. Her parents saying, yeah, we want to come. We want to be. They visited now this church because their kid went to kids' camp. Think about what's happened in this room and our nights of prayer, our nights of worship that we've had as we've kind of shook the walls of this place with our prayer and our worship. You think about the fact that we've 
hosted so many parties and volunteer Christmas parties and volunteer training. So much stuff has happened in this very space. I got blown, we were laughing this week and we thought about the fact that there are people who over the last seven years in this room met each other in this room for the very first time, fell in love with each other at this church, got married at this church, and we've actually dedicated their family in this room. That's some circle of life stuff right there. <laughs> That's pretty amazing to think about. And then as we thought, as we were thinking back over these last seven years, the part that they didn't tell us about when we were praying and dreaming and planning all this stuff is that in this same very room, uh, we would say goodbye for now to people that we love. And that we would have funeral services in this room for people we love so much and were such a central part of our church. Never thought about that one. Never imagined what it would be like to grieve in a space together to have to hold each other together in a space like this, to help each other hold on to God when it seems hopeless and you wonder if he's going to move again in your life. So much has happened in this space. And as we look out at what God has done and what he's doing and what he's about to do, uh, when we look for stones of remembrance, I wanna be really clear, we don't see brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Those aren't the stones of remembrance for us. This building, we love it. That's not the point. It's just a part of the story. It's not about windows and walls and all that. Mm -hmm. The stones of remembrance for us are you. Mm. You are living stones of remembrance of God's faithfulness, mm. that God is still on the move, that he's not done with you yet. He's not done with us. He's not done with this church yet. You are the reminder to us to this church, to this city, that there is a God and he is faithful and he will be faithful in the future. And that is why we can fix our eyes on Jesus with confidence. We can see his faithfulness and we can fix our eyes on the faithfulness that we know is in front of us. And I want you to hear the story of a couple that has journeyed along with Soul City over the last seven years. And I want you to hear what God has done in their life uh, through this church. And so will you help me welcome Joel and Kate Miller. Thanks you guys for coming for all four gatherings. Last time we're saying that for a while. Yeah. But good to have you guys here with us all day. We love Joel and Kate, and I, I want you to hear just a little bit of their story. They've been in, involved in our church for a very long time. In fact, why don't you tell everyone when the first time was that you came to Soul City Church? Yeah, the first official day. We were <laughs> among the 269. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were there the very first service. Yeah. That very first night. So, so you've been here all the way through. Yeah. What? Uh, what brought you guys? What led? How did God lead you guys to come here to Soul City Church? Yeah, great question. Um, when we first came here, we were basically just freshly married two years in and had moved back to the Midwest. Joel grew up here and um, we're looking for a church and we're just kind of in a rough place with that. Like we were trying to find a place that matched our vision of what the church should be in a community and it was just hard. And we'd kind of given up like just before we found Soul City. We were like, we're done. We're not going to church for a while. We're just gonna like, figure this out, like we just gotta, we just gotta take a break. Yeah. Yeah. And then Soul City came along, like right at that moment. And we had heard about uh, the Soul City starting, like the preview days that were happening yeah. and the meetings in your house. And we were tracking this online. We, we, f we started feeling those nudges of, of the Holy Spirit saying, you gotta check this place out, but just didn't 
didn't say yes. Mm. But we saw the, the email come through that the grand opening was happening. We were like, yes, okay, this yeah, is it. This gotta is do it. it. Yeah, we have to be there. We have to see what it's about. And it. when we came in, we instantly felt uh, that we were home. And then to sit through the service and hear your vision and what Soul City is, which is leading people into transforming relationships with Jesus. Yeah. And, and for us, Jesus-centric church is what mm. we were looking for. Amen. And constantly bringing and refocusing on him because uh, it's easy to get distracted. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, right. And we needed that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's amazing to, for, that you guys have been here all along the way and how God led you and was faithful to leading you here. And one of the things I love about your story, because you're both very involved and kind of, especially in those early days, if, if you had a pulse, you were involved in some <laughs> capacity. And so you guys have served faithfully as, you know, in our band and creative arts and video and design and all over the place uh, in our church. But one of the things I love most about your story is you two are the first two people we baptized at Soul City Church. The very first two people we baptized at Soul City Church, which is really cool. There's a picture of Joel, as we joke, with one of his many amazing hairdos that he's had over the last seven years. That was more the slick back look there, yeah, I think, freshly, right. baptized, freshly look. baptized look. Yeah, and then Kate getting baptized as well. And I love, it is so meaningful to us that you guys are still here. You've been so faithful. And, and here's a part of your story that we may also may not know. Uh, these guys have been here all along the way, uh, coming on weekends, and when they're serving involved, coming sometimes multiple times in a week. Uh, these guys actually live in Wheaton. And they, uh, some of these people have never even heard of Wheaton before. <laughs> they, that's, that's, they think it's past Rockford. They have no idea. <laughs> But these guys live, you guys live in Wheaton, and, and you know Jeannie grew up there, and her mom lives there. We were just there yesterday with her mom, and we think of you guys every time we're there, especially when we're sitting in traffic coming back into the city. Yeah. How faithful the two of you have been to drive past lots of other great churches on your way to come here, and that it blows us away. So I'd love for you to just close out by sharing how it is that you've seen God be faithful to you over these last seven years. How has he been faithful to you? Yeah, I mean, when we think of his faithfulness to us, we think of the people that make up this church. Mm -hmm. and, and then the, um, the experiences that we've been able to take part in by offering our gifts and talents, and also just to be at a church that wants volunteers and people to be involved like that, and, mm -hmm. and doesn't want you to just sit on the bench and actually uh, to be more than a spectator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even like looking at that baptism photo, right? Like neither of us have been baptized when we were in our youth, mm -hmm. <laughs> even though it was something we knew we wanted to do, we grew up in the church, mm -hmm. and we knew it was something we wanted to do as a married couple and to, and to be part of our married life, right? Mm -hmm. And when we decided to do it here because Soul City felt like our home, mm -hmm. it was just, it was a beautiful moment yeah. to look back on, and we have the little plaque sitting on our dresser, <laughs> and we see yeah. it all the time, and those are the things, those are the things mm -hmm. that we can look back on and say, God has been so faithful mm -hmm. to us um, just right. in our relationship and in our ability to be involved here. Yeah. yeah, totally. And just like every time I come into this building, like every week, every single week, I just see like God's faithfulness just plastered all over it. And like mm -hmm. in our family's life, because like Joel said, like we, we see these benchmarks throughout Soul City in the last seven years and how our lives have changed through that from being a young married couple, no kids, just figuring things out to the way that God has carried us from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in our family. And all the while him faithfully, mm. faithfully showing up in our, in our lives and, and 
being there. And it's just incredible. It's incredible to look back and realize, you know, again and again, every time we're in this building, every time we see a wall move or a new thing happen or a new event, like we can mark that in our family's life. Mm -hmm. And it's huge. it's huge. And it's incredible too, along the way, you guys have actually, your family dynamic has changed. Yes, yeah, yeah. Totally. As you brought Jane into the world and yes. now your daughter Jane is a part of Soul City Kids. Right. And, and she's she almost loves three. It. And it's so fun when she, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard not to get a little teary eyed as a father sometimes when she runs up to you and she, in the middle of the week and she wants to go back to church. Mm. So she can awesome. do crafts and sing songs. <laughs> That's awesome. And we always ask her, what did you learn? And she already knows the perfect church answer, which is about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. That's good. That's a great, <laughs> great answer. Like, that's right. yes. Great answer. Yeah, perfect. great that's answer. That's what we're learning yes. about. And yeah. We love that. Yes. And, and love you guys it. are about to add another member to Soul City numbers. Kids. Yes. That's right. Doing, so Doing that, the work. Pretty, doing doing the work. Hey, thanks, Kate. Yeah, we appreciate you helping. Thank you. Thank you. One life at a time. Thank you. Well, uh, we love you guys. We're so grateful for you guys. Can't imagine our lives in this place without mm -hmm. you. And I thought it'd be fun for us to thank uh, Joel and Kate mm -hmm. for being faithful and being here at this church. Thank you, guys. So cool to hear Joel and Kate's story and, you know, to hear about their little one and to think that as we fix our eyes on the future and as we fix our eyes on Jesus, all that God has done in this room is going to be carried on with our next generation. Um, this room is actually being handed over to Soul City kids and Soul City students. And they're gonna continue to carry on all that God has done, all the miracles that have occurred in this space. And we're thrilled to be able to to hand the baton, if you will, the spiritual baton to the next generation today. And I wanna invite Nick Mancini up, our Soul City Kids and Students Pastor, and, and he's gonna share a little bit about, um, as we hand this baton to you all today, and, uh, and this is really a momentous experience. Yeah, what is it for you that you're excited about when you think about this next generation taking over this space, this whole building on yeah. Sundays is gonna belong to the next generation. What is it that gets you excited about that? Um, so I think first and foremost, the thing that we're most excited for is uh, for all the adults to go over there <laughs> and leave. What? Because, so you know, if you don't know, the kids are right above us upstairs right now. And so occasionally we'll get like a text message down here and be like, hey, quiet down up there. Like you're moving, stomping around. We're trying to have a holy moment down here. Sure, you guys are killing and the so vibe. It's like we have to tell yeah. them, so we want the adults to just go. Oh, okay. And then so we can just have parties up Non-stop over here. Fun all the time. Two stories of party. I would like to bring in some live animals, like an, a, a llama or nope, something. We can never talk, gonna, about, talk about probably it. Not gonna yeah, probably not going to talk like, about uh, it. Yeah, probably not going to do that. Conversation. We'll have a conversation about it. Okay, well, we'll probably it. not do that, though. We'll see. But so we talk about this next generation having this space. And what's interesting is we use the word next generation, right? But the reality is these kids and these students aren't just the next generation. They're the church today. That's right. Right now. Yes. And right. so we're so excited to be able to just come alongside parents and families in, in really utilizing and having a place and a space um, for kids to understand what yeah. it means to be the church, yeah. to, to serve and love and live like Jesus intended mm. them to live I and just help that. them figure out what that looks like to be the church of today. So we're, exci that. we're excited to have the space. Now we're awesome. so excited, Nick, for you and for your team and the amazing volunteers that serve so faithfully. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say that one of the most fun ways of getting involved at Soul City Church and being a part of it 
is the servant soul city kids. kids. We're gonna have live llamas and stuff. Well, okay, that yeah. I wouldn't go promising things we can't okay. deliver on, but but maybe, but maybe. But, okay, so so uh, the fun thing is is Nick will be out in the lobby afterwards at our next table if you want to talk to Nick uh, about getting involved. Really, honestly, if you like kids like remotely and kids kind of like you, uh, this or you act like a kid, whatever it may be. It's a great way to get involved really, and serve yeah. and make a significant difference in the church of today, not just the next generation, yeah. but this now generation. So Nick will be available for that afterwards. And uh, we're so excited for that. And what's been fun, and you probably know this, all morning we've been praying for and dedicating this space for our Soul City kids and families. Do you know that our, a bunch of kids from Soul City kids all morning have been going over to the new auditorium and praying for you? Mm. Yeah. How yeah. cool is that? That's great leadership and great for you and your team just to teach them what it means to dedicate and prepare a space as we want to do that for them as well. And so what we want to do is actually take a posture of prayer that we do here. Uh, maybe if you've been around for one of our family dedications, we do this at family dedication. And this really kind of is a dedication. We're dedicating this room to our students and our teenagers and our families. And so we reach out with the hand of just saying, we want to pray God's blessing, God's provision, God's protection, uh, God's presence over this space. And so if you'd be willing to Reach out a hand right now in faith and in prayer. And I'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes open. I'm gonna pray a little differently because I want you to look at the screens as I pray this prayer and look at these pictures of these children, these students, how they see themselves, how they see God and how they see this church. It's a beautiful picture of what God is doing and what he's going to do in this space as we hand it over to our family ministry. So let's pray right now together in faith for this room and for this amazing ministry. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. And that as we look back on your faithfulness, God, we can absolutely look forward in faith. Yeah. And so, God, we pray for every child, mm -hmm. every student, mm -hmm. and every family in this church and in this neighborhood and in this city, God. We pray that they would know you, they would love you, yeah. they would follow you for the rest mm -hmm. of their lives. And Jesus, you said so clearly, let the children come to me, mm -hmm. because theirs is the kingdom of God. Yeah. Not eventually, not one day, but now. Mm -hmm. And so God, help us to see them like you do. Help us to value them like you do. And God, help us to see you like they do, to know you like they do, to trust you like they do. And God, we pray that because of their faith in you, hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you and follow you. Mm -hmm. And God, we pray for you to continue to do miracles in this space, yes. to do amazing things in and through their lives. Yeah. And thank you, God, that we can rest assured that your church, this unstoppable movement of grace and transformation is in good mm. hands. It's in your name, your faithful name that we pray. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Excited. so incredible to think about all that God has done and all that he's going to continue to do. We want to move into a time of worship and we want to move into a time of giving. And we do this every time that we gather because it's a way for us to actually mark God's faithfulness. We give back to God because God has been faithful to us. It's a way for us to look at the resources that he has given and he's entrusted to us and for us to say, God, you have been so faithful. I want to trust you and be faithful back. 
And so for those of you that are visiting, please feel no obligation to give. This is a moment for those of us that call Soul City Church our home. It's a way for us to practice faithfulness, for us to put in motion the faithfulness of God in our own lives. And so we give three different ways. Uh, we give online, many of us, so that we can be consistent, uh, lots of us. We text in to give because we haven't carried cash in our wallet for like 10 years. Uh, and so many of us, we like to text in to give. And then there are others that love the practice of actually giving in our gatherings so that they can be reminded of God's faithfulness. So in a moment, we are going to do that together. And we are going to sing uh, one of my favorite songs uh, that we sing here. And this song was written for our three-year anniversary. Uh, Jarrett and Patrick wrote this song together. And if I I were to picture us as a church uh, crossing over the Chicago River, crossing over our own Jordan River, this is the song that I picture us singing. This is kind of our mantra, our rally cry as a church. And the song is about the fact that we trust in only God here. And so we're gonna move into a time of giving and worship. And then in a moment, Patrick's gonna invite you to join in and sing. And I wanna say to you, Soul City Church, this is our very last time like this, singing in this space. And so I wanna invite you to sing with gusto, to sing as if you were on the stage, as if a microphone was put in front of your mouth, as if you are the worship leader drawing us into the courts of heaven. I wanna invite you to sing and to give glory to God who has been so faithful to this church. So let's move into a time of worship. <laughs> 